Hey guys, welcome back to Math Cat, the podcast in which I, a Catholic, use mathematics and more to explain my view of the world. Today, we are going to analyze a very popular moment in biblical history, Jesus walking on water. Quick disclaimer, I am no professional scientist nor theologian. This is just my mind trying to make sense of something uh, connecting religion and science. First, we must establish that Jesus is not our habitual holy helper heroically handling horrible hazards, hastening healings hurriedly. He is God, 100% God, which we will demonstrate with a triad similar to this. And he is also 100% human, which we will demonstrate with another triad, perhaps this one. Right, he's not half God, half man. He is 100% God, 100% man. But it is easy for us to say, well, since he's God, he can do whatever, so there's no need for scientific analysis. But I believe it is in our best interest to dive deep, pun intended, in our uh, analysis to take a walk on the wet side. Jesus' famous walk on water can be read from Matthew 14, 26 through 30. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? So, before we talk about a human being being able to walk on water, let's first look at the basilisk lizard, also nicknamed the Jesus lizard. The reason the basilisk lizard can run on water is a combination of large feet for maximizing surface area, a light body, flapping the skin to create little bubbles, and enough speed to move before the bubble pops and create new ones. So he'll run on water without falling onto in, even though they can't swim, they run on top of it so they move faster. But for humans, since we do not move fast enough relative to our surface area of our feet and our body weight, we would fall down from the water, which I represented with the black keys, underwater, which I represented with the white keys. So it will be more like this. And we have dissonance between the uh, adjacent keys. In order to stay above water, we need to move much faster or have some high-tech clothes and shoes. Since clearly 2,000 years ago, they didn't have that kind of technology since we clearly don't have that technology anymore. It would be safe to assume Jesus is not wearing a high-tech swimsuit. Jesus is described as an average person in the Bible. In other words, he was no earth king like David nor a beast of a man like Samson. But the ultimate underdog, underrated, underlying, underneath, until unique upbringings understandably unlock the unforeseen, undermining utmost urgency. So if we look at the dimensions of an average person 2,000 years ago, we see that the average Judean male would weigh around 175 pounds and be 5 feet 5 inches tall. 
Given these numbers and assuming an average human density, foot surface area, etc., we can work out the math and we can estimate that the average speed Jesus has to travel in order to stay above water would be 37.5 miles per hour. This, if you guys have not realized yet, is not human walking speed. It's faster than running speed. Usain Bolt hasn't reached a speed. But since he is God, he can hypothetically reach that speed. Right? He, he's God. He created the universe. He's the magnificent maker, meticulating, manipulating miniature microcosms, making many molecules move marvelously, metamorph mindfully, mingle massively, massively marking more moral messages in the fabric of reality. This means he can manipulate a force much stronger than gravity to stay above the water. Now, there are four fundamental forces. Gravity, weak force, electromagnetism, and the strong force. Gravity is the weakest force, which is ironic because there's literally a force called the weak force. Gravity is the force pulling you under the water, right? The gravity is pulling your weight. That's the force strong enough to pull you, a human being, underwater. If we look at water's properties, however, we notice it is diamagnetic. This is due to the shape of a water molecule. If you draw a Lewis dot structure of water, it originally appears to be linear with notes like this, straight across, an oxygen atom with two hydrogen atoms on each side. But there are also lone pairs, which depress the size of the molecule, making it bend. With the negative charge from the oxygen atom sticking out, repelling electrons. This illustrates that pure water is already, in a way, magnetic. But this body of water is not pure. There are salts and minerals dissociated in the water. The water molecules rip apart the salts into ions. For example, table salt is scientifically known as sodium chloride because it has a sodium atom and a chlorine atom. I know, genius. Water, being the universal solvent, rips the two atoms apart from one another, creating a positively charged sodium ion and a negatively charged chlorine ion. This, with various salts and minerals that are ionically bonded, being ripped apart by water, means it is easily possible to run an electric current through the water. This is why when you go to the beach and there's a storm, you are told to get out of the water because the water can attract the electricity coming from the clouds. You know what else has electricity coursing through it? The human body. As we have established, Jesus is fully human and fully God. From earlier. This means Jesus, being God, can take full advantages of the nerve and electricities running through the human body. Manipulate it to create a field of sorts, allowing him to run or walk on water because his electric current is being repelled against the diamagnetic water full of charged ions. This also explains how Peter is able to walk on water when trusting Jesus because, as we know, Peter is not divine. He is just human. I'll repeat Matthew 14, 29 through 31, the second part. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and 
beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Originally, Peter had trusted Jesus, but then sank when he was frightened. Jesus then pulled him up, questioning why Peter doubted. The busy bee's brain buzzing brought the boy's body below beneath the boat's bottom base, but brotherly buttress built a bigger, better, brobding, nagging bedrock between both buddies. We also know that emotions are not from the heart, but from the brain, from the amygdala. So, when the amygdala is stimulated, the serotonin and the dopamine uh, course through our body and affects the electric currents in our brains, which for... Peter's case, his stimulation is fear, and that's through adrenaline and cortisol. This means the neuroelectric currents coursing through Peter did not align properly in order to create that magnetic field he originally had when he fully trusted Jesus. And because his brain activity messed with the electric currents, he sank in the water. Does this mean Jesus, the king of kings, managed to perform one of, if not the most well-known miracles in history through manipulating the nerves in his fully human body with his godly power. Creating an electric current that allowed him to walk on the diamagnetic water. some magical Star Wars force field? Probably not. I know that was a long, overhyped premise for such a short conclusion, but I find limited line lengths lack life like Lonely Lands, limboing laughable literature, lyrical leftovers, lampooning lore, losing lovable luxury. Jesus probably just walked on water without needing to manipulate these things specifically. He probably just used his magic, but this explanation, for me, is the most interesting and likable. It means that every elemental entity is essential. Even each electron enters equations effectively, ending extremely elegantly and forcing an eternal epic of space-time. On Thursday, I will upload the first installment of a new series, Bib Liddy, and the first episode will also be connected to this, Walking on the Wet Side. I... Also have a secret word in this episode, so rewatch and try to analyze and find it. Email mathcath1729 at gmail.com once you find the answer. And feel free to also propose questions and topics for future episodes. God bless.